welcome everybody to the Blow Off Valve podcast. We're your host, Alex and Tucker. And uh, this week, we're going to kind of actually have a mix of F1 and, and car news that we want to talk about. Um, probably the biggest F1 news uh, coming out in the last couple of weeks. Um, there's, uh, you know, obviously the driver changes and whatnot, but um, mm-hmm. actually the team principal of Ferrari, Mattia Bonato, uh, resigned. Um, yeah. And I didn't realize this. He'd been with Ferrari for like 26 or 28 years, something like that. Yeah. Um, so kind of a, a big deal, but we were talking, you know, throughout the season. Yeah. Kind of not really a surprise, right? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I mean, I like the guy. Obviously, they've delivered results, but they've they've also had some pretty kind of catastrophic F-ups yeah. um, in terms of strategy that were really kind of baffling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Almost I mean, like our decisions. You know, yeah. Like if I ask my mom who doesn't follow Formula One, she might think they're logical decisions. <laughs> but for even those who have a remote interest in Formula One, they yeah. did not make any sense. Yeah. I, and, I and, and, and it was like often tossed back to the drivers. Like, right. You know, no, you, you guys need to, you need to be coming at the drivers with like definitive strategy. Mm-hmm. And right. when they offer up something like thought provoking, you can be like, actually, that is better or no, do it this way. We have our reasons. And then it's right. right. Like most right. of the time it's right. Yeah, because um, the, the drivers know, <clears throat> they know how the car feels. So for things like tire changes and stuff, <clears throat> that can make sense to give them more input because they're like, no, the tires are still getting good grip, whatever. But when you're talking about, you know, when to come in so that you can undercut or things like that, like mm-hmm. where they don't necessarily know the full picture. Why yeah. are you asking the driver about that? Like they don't know the full picture. You do. You know, and you know, and obviously like as a shout out for him, the the team has improved and right. yeah. the cars, the engineering has improved. You know, right. look at when Sebastian was with them to where they're at now. Mm-hmm. so like we definitely like you, you know we can't we can't just like crap all over the guy obviously he no. did great yeah. things there and has grown the team but like, kind of like i alluded to in some of our discussions post race um in 2022 they're good enough now that some of the fundamental errors are much more glaring yeah and perhaps were not noticed as well or as much previously yeah Yeah. because like the equipment the hardware just wasn't there yeah and and so yeah you know he's a victim of his own engineer's success in a way yeah exactly like it kind of declared some of the fundamental issues and so you know they've obviously gone through a lot of building and growth to get to this point Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes your leadership can kind of grow with that and continue to surpass themselves. And then other times they can't, but the gamble, anytime you make this kind of decision is obviously Ferrari has a lot of culture and a lot of momentum, which in some ways I don't think is good. Um, Mm -hmm. It it does not always seem to have served them well. And so I'll be curious what their organizational structure comes up with. Mm-hmm. As we think this is an improvement. Um, well, yeah, you kind of wonder. Obviously, Bonato was kind of promoted from within. Mm-hmm. You wonder, do they do they look to an outside person? Like maybe they try and poach somebody from Red Bull or Mercedes. That's talk- probably what they need to do. That's well, you and I talked feeling. quite a quite a bit during the season about you know does ferrari ferrari's hardware as you said has really caught up i mean they were the fastest car in qualifying a number of times mm-hmm. but they're they do they have someone that knows how to win in, well in yeah their... yeah basically and i think for them some out of the box thinking might be beneficial mm-hmm. and there's the kind of two issues with that the in the box thinking, which is the internal promotion might not be able to change things. And so you still kind of have these like kind of wild 
scenarios play out with strategy where you're just like, what drugs are they on this weekend? Yeah, right. Yeah. But then if you bring in somebody with like fresh eyes and a new idea, their their culture may have too much momentum because they're like, listen, listen, you're this new here and this is Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're yeah. Ferrari. It's yeah. the the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, mm-hmm. and Ferrari. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, kind of whatever your ideas yeah. are, not going to work here. And so yeah. then they just kind of get boxed in. Yeah. And I, so it's tricky. It's, I honestly, I don't know. No, I don't either. You need someone that's willing to shake things up because what they were doing obviously did not end up working, but they need to be able to build a consensus and not just come in dictatorially and, and be like, I know better than Ferrari. Yeah. Because that's going to be that, that's going to be the danger. It, yeah. It's interesting. I'm reading um, right now. I'm reading uh, uh, the an auto kind of an autobiography it's kind of an interesting style of writing but it's essentially an autobiography about ross braun the uh team principal for a number of he he is a team principal for a number of teams but famously was team principal for a number of schumacher's uh championships at ferrari sure and he was in that position he was brought in i think he was with march and then they won the world championship and and he was brought in uh to uh basically try and get ferrari you know to that next level and that was kind of what he did he's like you know i i took thing he took lessons he had learned from other teams i'm sorry about the Mm -hmm. dog barking took lessons he learned from other teams and said okay what does ferrari do really well let's keep that where can we improve where where can we improve based on what i've seen be successful in my other because he had won multiple world championships as a team principal before that what can i what knowledge do i have that i can bring in and improve the team yeah, yeah. and to their credit as a team they're open to it and then obviously <laughs> successful okay. schumacher so it, it's a i think it can be done i mean ferrari has that history yeah. with ross braun itself but yeah you need to find the right person for sure you know and one of the other things just like in my own experience in life and trying to, you know, surpass myself or, you know, taking tests and and trying to do well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you overthink stuff. Yeah. Backfires. You know, you, you've always Mm -hmm. been like, you're, I remember you and I taking tests together for, uh, and you're always on pole position you know first guy I, in first guy out. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Gut, gut reaction gut reaction but it's it's and, for that very reason like you do if you know a subject really well you can almost know it too well to the point yeah. where you say yeah you you talk yourself out of it and and that's kind of what some sometimes when i i mean they they joked about this uh in some of the grand prix and i remember like I don't remember if it was tr- who, which of the drivers it was, <laughs> but, they, but they were talking about their plan. Mm-hmm. And they were like, on plan G? Mm-hmm. And it was like, wait, <laughs> this, this is either like a one-stop or a two-stop. How did we get plan G yeah. out of that? And, it's, and so I started to kind of wonder, are they overthinking some of this strategy to the point where they're coming up with these harebrained ideas? Yeah, um, I mean the problem that, is the more scenarios you've uh, game planned, the the easier it is to get confused about what the plan is. And and so maybe that's part of that leadership transition that they need to come in, and and we're going to focus on like two contingencies, three contingencies here. Yeah, and that's it. If we're out of those three contingencies, like yeah, the gigs up, we're just going to do the best that we can. Well, but yeah, these are our happen. winning con. Then you have to trust your team, your race engineers to be able to improvise. You know, you can't plan, mm-hmm. you can't develop a scenario for what if a safety car happens on any specific lap throughout the yeah, race. Yeah, yeah. Like you just, it, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> At a certain point you have to, you have to on the fly. Make a call <laughs> I know, I know. So here, here's kind of my take on this. And I think a lot of this is personality. Um, and I don't, and I don't know if this is accurate, so I'm just spitballing here, but mm-hmm. 
when I think about, and it pains me to say this a little bit because I'm, I don't like them and they irritate me, <laughs> but I do think Mercedes has probably the best organ organizational structure that can mm-hmm. take critical feedback, improve on it yeah. and get back to where they want to be. I think you're totally right. I mean, that, Red, that team Red, is renowned yeah, for improving their car throughout the season. Yeah. And I think that's why. I think that Red Bull is like the bullheaded group. It's like we we did the work. We either have a good product or a bad product. But either way, we're going to just kind of like do the same shit all season long. And we're either going to win that season or we're going to go down in flames. <laughs> and like, and, and we don't care what you have to say. And I'm not interested in what, like, that's mm-hmm. kind of the gist I get. And and to some of that is like, you know, Toto seems to be like pretty reasonable diplomatic guy. Christian mm-hmm. Horner kind of seems like an asshole, stubborn, <laughs> Max, very much the same way. Mm-hmm. And Ferrari, I think, is probably somewhere in between them. And so yeah, they're, you know, like they, they've, they've got probably the potential uh, mm-hmm. to navigate this transition and come back stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but out of the three, it's like a little bit more of a coin toss. Um, yeah. It's interesting because, you know, Bonato was always a bit of a quiet guy. Yeah, for know? sure. He, he much look more at, quiet. Look at the Netflix drive. Yeah, much, much more like, spoken. Yeah. And so yeah. it's it's hard to know how he ran that team. You know, he had two drivers who he, you know, was very, you know, we know when Ferrari was having troubles, he was very aggressive with Charles and Carlos about like, you know, getting to them before they could talk to anybody and being like, don't say shit about the team, you know, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, he was no- notoriously did that after a couple of their early mm-hmm. strategic screw-ups in the season. And yeah. so I think he he definitely controlled that team. Um, it's just hard to know, like, was he a collaborative team principal? Was he yeah, a yeah, yeah. Like, it's less clear with him than it is with someone like Horner or... <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. He, You're absolutely right. He's harder to read. Yeah, you know, seem, much harder seem like yeah. So, anyways, so we'll it'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'll be really to sort this to see if you know if if they promote from within. You know, you wonder if it's, it'll just be more of the same. So, yeah, I I kind of think they're going to try and find someone from outside that can come in and say, "All right, guys," kind of like the Ross Braun of of yeah. You know, They've before. got a platform. To Here's do how it. we can win. You know, like yeah, they've got a platform to do it. I think mm-hmm. it's time hard, to take a little bit of a gamble. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, the time they they the hard part is developing a car capable of winning. They've done yeah. that. Now they just need, and they've got the drivers obviously that are capable of winning. Mm-hmm. You know, Charles yeah. and Carlos are both phenomenal. So now it's we've got to lock it in with the strategy and the the team. You know, the team yeah. aspect of the sport. So, which seems I, like the easier component of it, but it's not. I, no, I mean, that, it's. I mean, at that echelon of sport of racing, you know, where all other things are relatively equal, like that's that's where yeah. the human element does come into play. So you've got to, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to have the right people in place to make those calls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, it'll be interesting to see. They haven't named a successor yet, but uh, you know, this was a very recently occurring event in the last, you know, so uh, I'm sure the hunt is on by Ferrari to to find the right replacement. Um, So that's kind of it for, for the F1 news. Uh, We didn't want to get too deep into all the driver changes and stuff. Um, Yeah. Wait for that stuff to sort out. Maybe we'll do like a, you know, maybe the week before the, the new season, we do like a little preview episode and talk about, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. People coming up, but um, we did want to talk about so <clears throat> we're no it's no secret Tucker is a huge BMW fanboy. I'm a yeah. BMW fan to yeah. a lesser degree, but I do have a lot of love for them. And so 
<laughs> BMW. Yeah, came yeah, this out. is great. I'm looking forward to this topic. Yeah. So BMW came out. For those that, that may not know, there was a famous um, BMW. Famously, were involved in a lot of DTM racing um, throughout the years, and there was a car back in the '70s that was kind of referred to as the Batmobile, um, and it was a uh, uh, basically a, 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 a kind of a racing uh, version for from the DTM era. Uh, mm-hmm. of the, what was it, the, the 3.0 CSL. Mm-hmm. Um, and so BMW yeah. for, they, they've kind of been doing various things for their kind of 50, 50th anniversary of BMW M, yeah. uh, which is this year. And so BMW took essentially a, a, a an M4 and heavily modified it to create an homage to the 3.0 CSL um, called the BMW 3.0 CSL. <laughs> and it's got 553 horsepower, a manual gearbox, which, um, you know, obviously made my ears perk up a bit. Um, it's got this crazy bodywork that is really harkening yeah. back to the Batmobile from the 70s. Pretty um, And it's got some unique interior stuff. They took out the back seats and put in basically like this insert that can hold two racing helmets. <laughs> it's got a really rad uh, 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 shifter knob um, for the manual transmission. Uh, and it's limited to just 50 units. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have not released a price, but rumors are it's 750 grand. <laughs> Um, so my initial reaction and my thoughts on it now have changed, but I, I, and I'll get into that, but I'm curious to see what your kind of thoughts were on it. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in this like weird place with BMW right now. The front end of this is not ugly. No, no. So they did shrink the kidneys. They're actually, which is is stunning. If they did that treatment for the next version of oh. 3 and M4, it's a much more interesting car to me at that point. Uh, I know, but by then they're going to be hybridized. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe they have a manual, maybe they don't. Who knows? Yeah, it's true. The, the, the challenge, I think, <clears throat> is kind of understanding. I feel a little bit like BMW doesn't know who they are. Mm-hmm right now or what their place is in the future because you look at this car and i don't know you know you and i we we um we expel some of our life force on this podcast talking about these cars which are basically unobtainium which (laughs) is like is it even worth the effort i don't know but i do think in some ways it kind of reflects on the manufacturer and mm-hmm. so we've got these like really kind of confusing cars that exist, almost like almost like the company's gone bipolar. Mm-hmm. You know, you you've got these productions like this car, which are very cool looking. Mm-hmm. It kind of ticks all the boxes for yeah. this kind of authentic, old school, mm-hmm. you know, experience that a lot of people are kind of on the hunt for as. There's more electrification, more hybridization. Um, right. And and so that's kind of exciting. And so you've got this like one part of BMW's brain, which is kind of authentically creating that experience, even though it is only limited to 50 cars. And, mm-hmm. and I guess it makes sense because this thing's kind of wild and wacky. <clears throat> but then you've got this other half of bmw which you and i read the um who was it was it road and track that did the article that was basically saying oh you they don't make cars for us anymore they don't yeah. make cars for us anymore road and track yeah and so a really interesting article and sad i, I but completely I agree accurate. i i agree and that is that is the like dichotomy that my brain is really struggling to hold as mm-hmm. a single concept that's called BMW. 
On the other hand, you have this kick-ass car, which is going to be almost a million dollars and offer this wonderful enthusiast driving experience that only 50 Mm -hmm. people on the planet are going to have, and most of them won't even drive it. And then you've got this, these other cars, which literally, as they said in the article, and this was, this is kind of where I feel like, you know, you've got the girlfriend and there's been issues and there's a breaking (laughs) point. And the breaking point for me is when the drive selector changes the ambiance for three of the oh, four driving modes. Yeah, right. And it I say to myself, performance, yeah. <laughs> this, this is not the company I grew up with anymore, and it is yeah. not for me. And so I yeah. kind of feel like, I kind of am, the way I understand this is that there's a collective, almost like the, it's almost like the cancer in BMW that the bean counters want to crush. And it's like this collection of people that were like, F you, we're making this car. Mm -hmm. And we know our heads are on the chopping block after it. Mm -hmm. And you guys are going to be more interested in your aircraft carrier, BMW XMs with skylight lighting. Did I send you the pictures? Yes, you did. And I sent you, and I sent you what it God. reminded me of. So, <laughs> so for those that don't know, the, the BMW XM, which we touched on when it debuted, it's BMW's. I will say this from the front and the grill. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. It's okay. Yeah. When we get into these side and rear views, shit gets a little strange. There's a lot of strange oh. going on. <laughs> so ugly. Uh, yeah, not to get off topic, but this so some pictures of the BMW XM on the road driving um were found their way to Reddit. Someone saw it driving and basically posted pictures. Yeah, with like and a weird red trim. So that's their <laughs> there's like a performance version or like yeah. trim option. It, yeah. I, I think it's called like Redline or something like that. I forget what it's called. But it puts this red trim. It red trims the kidneys on the grill. I mean, it's really freaking hideous, dude. And but you know, yeah. It, it, I mean, that was just so. This tragic. is like this I found that my... quote, I found that quote in the article you're talking about, though. So they're talking yeah. about the i seven, yeah, the, the electric seven series, and it said two of the cars' configurable yeah. driving modes were focused on what the rear passenger screen experience would be like. And the other two driving modes were solely about lighting and sound configuration, not about improving the car's dynamic abilities. And that's when I'm like, we're, I think we're done. We're speaking as a different a, language here. As a couple, we're, we're done. Yeah, like, yeah, we're yeah. Just, we're you past the point. all my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> we're past the point of this making any sense anymore. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of like, it's cool. It's a cool car. I respect it on paper. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a dying gasp of yeah. a company that has chosen to differentiate themselves by becoming a software company mm-hmm. and offering strange modernist designs, which obviously resonate with some people. So I don't, I don't want to offend people that think they, mm-hmm. they look good. I, I don't like the way the IX looks after agonizing effort of months of trying to like the way the the m3 looks i can't get there i just can't get there with Mm -hmm. with the two with the big massive grills Mm -hmm. and so yeah i mean like that's kind of my reaction to all this okay and i'm i'm just kind of confused a little bit like where the hell are we going my gut is we're not going in the direction i want Mm -hmm. and the direction i would want to go is this car Mm-hmm. But I can't get a hold of this car. Right. I can't afford to buy this car. And even yeah. if I could, I wouldn't feel comfortable driving it because it's so rare. So mm-hmm. it's like a museum piece already. Yeah. By by definition. Yeah. I you know, so when this first came out, I thought, oh my God, this is so rad. Look at those wheel arches. Look at the crazy graphics, the the spoiler on over the rear window. I mean and I still think the rear spoiler like, is sweet. The, is sweet with the M power on the, on <laughs> the uh, wing and everything. So that that was my initial reaction. The more I thought about it, when when the 
the production numbers came out and the rumored cost came out. I just, and apparently like some place, so in Germany, mm-hmm. BMW dealers in Germany are doing like a lottery to see who gets the opt-in oh. buy one. I don't know how they're doing it in the US, but so it actually just made me angry because yeah. the more I thought about it, the more I thought, okay, they're charging 750 grand for what is essentially an M4 with a body kit. Yeah. And there's, they're justifying that by only making 50 of them. So then when I kind of put in that context, I thought, this is actually just an incredibly cynical <laughs> cash grab. This, this, yeah, this is honestly, a, this, this is, is this play. is Lamborghini making a quote unquote Countach that's essentially a reskinned yeah, Aventador and charging two million dollars for it. Like it, it actually got me really angry because here's a company that, for most of my life, had the motto on every ad: "The ultimate driving machine," and. They create a car that on paper should be one of their best driver enthusiast cars. And they say, well, it's going to cost more than most human beings can afford to pay for a car. And we're going to make so few that even if you could theoretically afford it, you're never going to get one. And I just thought, I'm with you. I thought BMW has lost their way. Like they've just yeah. lost their way. That first it was first the styling, and now it's making. We're just yeah. in kind of meltdown mode right now. Yeah, I mean now it's making M threes and M fours that weigh two tons, you know, and yeah. that are only going to get bigger and fatter and heavier. And and it really, it, you said it's kind of like a last gasp. I think this is the death rattle. You know, yeah. For me of an M of when when BMW M. The the XM was really the harbinger of doom because yeah. the M division had only ever made one car that was just an M. It wasn't a, a version of a BMW sedan or something. And that was the M1, legendary 70s supercar. The second car they've ever made that's only an M car is a, is a two-and-a-half-ton SUV. Yeah. Like that should have told us all we need to know about where BMW is taking things. Yeah. Um, and, and this is really... Yeah, the truth, the truth, I guess, is, you know, they're responding to the demands of, of the public where it, it felt like probably back in the 70s and 80s, there was a large, well, even probably into the 90s, yeah, a large segment of the population that was like, you know, sedans and coupes are an okay means of transport and mm-hmm. today it's just not it's right. like a sedan is a strange thing to see on the road it's yeah. a truck or it's some effing millionth iteration of a some form of an suv yeah and and they are the mirror i guess they're yeah. the mirror of us yeah they're um, they're what sell i mean people there wouldn't be BMW and Mercedes and all every other automaker wouldn't make three different crossover SUVs if they didn't all sell. And to me, and I and I'm trying to like put this into words, my some of this evolves as you go through life and you appreciate things differently. And I recognize I'm at a point in life and that there's vantage points to come and there's been prior vantage points that mm-hmm. I've had. But when we talk about things like <clears throat> enthusiast stuff, mm-hmm. so for instance, um, I spent a stupid amount of money on an espresso machine. <laughs> and this, there's two ways of going about this. I'm just using this as an analogy. Mm-hmm. So you can buy a very expensive espresso machine with like, cap it's filled with coffee and you plug Mm -hmm. it in and push a button and shit comes out Mm -hmm. and it tastes good Mm -hmm. then there's the kind of espresso machine i bought where i had to buy a whole other effing expensive grinder and it's Mm -hmm. all it's all manual it's all manual you set the grind um 
the process of you is part of the enjoyment. Yeah. And the F up is on you. Mm -hmm. And when it comes out and it's like masterful, you, you feel like a God of the universe and it's like, yeah. Oh my God. I made that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I can do it, and I can do it repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like my perspective as a car enthusiast and a driving enthusiast is someone who can get in a car and row gears can mm-hmm. steer into and out of corners in ways that create slight oversteer or understeer or compensate for that which exists in the car Mm -hmm. and that it's kind of an extension of your body whereas what seems to be the defining characteristic of a performance car or an enthusiast car is a big effing heavy whale that can Mm -hmm. go like an intercontinental ballistic missile in a straight line. Right. And put dogs in the back. Yeah. And I just, it doesn't, (laughs) my perspective, it it just doesn't like, it doesn't compute. Well, that's why, that's why the older cars are, are really going up to value. I mean, even, so I was watching a review of the, the Ferrari 296 GTB and it has, you know, an automated system built in, that will basically trail break for you around a track. So it, as you go in, you can be full yeah. on the brakes. And then as you start to turn the steering wheel going around the corner, it will gradually decrease the brake pressure just like you would before. And I mean, this, you can go back to when they introduced, um, you know, systems in manual transmission cars that would auto blip the throttle on gear changes yeah 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 That's what you had to so, use, you used to have to do and that was part of the skill of driving that kind yeah of and and i feel like as a human being you like to see your growth mm-hmm. and there's satisfaction in saying i can get in this car and i can do things that you can't because right. i've put in time i've learned how the car feels I've invested mm. energy into becoming good at this. Yeah. And these type cars kind of offer this like, well, anybody can get in and do this and yeah. have the same experience. But yeah. I don't know that that like, that's, that's not whether we like it or not as humans. And this is just, this is just the way it is. The way it is, is that's not rewarding Mm-hmm. And it's not satisfying in the long run. Right. And so the more we the more we have shit done for us and we don't have to do anything for ourselves, the more we get away from our own growth as human beings. Mm-hmm. And we and we cast around for more and more in different forms of sat, sat, being satisfied. And we can't find it. Right. Because there is no growth. Because yeah, it's I a think- box and you put the plug in. And the coffee comes out, and you can be anywhere on the planet, and it's just the same coffee. And I don't yeah. know any better that it tastes better because I can't have that manual experience anymore. Mm-hmm. But if I could taste it, I would instantaneously realize, oh my God, that is so much better. What have I been missing? That's like yeah. what we're losing in this, and in, in like many facets of life. You and I talk about cars all the time, but I'm convinced mm-hmm. there's like many other ways. And maybe I'm like a crotchety old man already, you know, and like whatever, a 37-year-old's body. But that's just how I feel. <laughs> no, it, no, I think that's true. I mean, you know, beyond just the context of cars, I think, you know, we have so many things in life that have been developed to, you know, ostensibly make our lives easier. And they do in a way, but it also actually somewhat ironically decreases our satisfaction because yeah it's probably because we didn't know how satisfying it was i mean think about it this way like if you got a lego set and it was say you got like the the star destroyer you know this huge lego set right now which i own a version of just not the big one yeah so (laughs) imagine if imagine if someone came and put that together for you 
And now you had this cool, completed Star Destroyer Lego set you can put up on the wall or, or you know, on a, on a shelf or something. That's cool, you know, and it saved you a bunch of time. You didn't have to spend hours putting it together and trying to figure out the instruction manual and all that sort of stuff. But how much less satisfying was it that that pro that you weren't involved in that process? Yeah. You know, the, and that's the thing, you know, I, the enjoyment is the process. And I feel like some of these things obviously in life are worth, you know, ditching the experience. Far like I, I, I have, I have a couple of robot vacuums and right. a vacuum. They don't do a very good job. So I have to step in sometimes because I'm better. <laughs> I'm better. Yeah. I'm better at that job than their sole existence, but right, but yeah. I'm okay with that because yeah. I don't get a lot of satisfaction out of that. There right. are other things that maybe it's our own proclivities. You and I like driving, but but there's mm-hmm. other things in life that we should think a little bit about before we completely automate. And yeah. that's kind of the dichotomy with BMW. This car harkens a little bit to an old age but it's unobtainium. Yeah. Whereas the undercurrent, the riptide is the XM, mm-hmm. the IX, weird yeah. designs, software, mm-hmm. drive mm-hmm. modes that change the treble, the bass, <laughs> and the lighting in the roof. Yeah. That's the riptide that's going on. And I feel it. It's pulling us all out. <laughs> We're yeah. screwed, yeah. man. We're screwed. <laughs> well, I think the key is the key is whether it's with cars, whether it's with coffee makers, whether it's with anything. I don't mind there being a quote unquote lazy option for those that don't get anything out of it. Like I don't Fair mind enough. having a Tesla autopilot or a GM super blue super cruise for you know. I don't mind those things. And particularly if you're someone like my wife who doesn't enjoy driving, she just, she would rather teleport to the destination than drive mm-hmm. it. I don't mind those things existing as long as I, yeah. I have the option to do it in that manual satisfying <laughs> way. Just like, you yeah. know, I like mowing my lawn. Yeah, I don't, you know, and I could get a robot lawn thing, right. but I want to, and I don't mind if some if if my neighbor wants to use a lawn service or get one of those little robo lawn mower things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. But I want to be able to mow my own lawn because I. Do and that's that kind of like, fun. and that's an interesting perspective. And I, I completely agree. In an ideal world, it would it would stay that way. But but there's scales of manufacturing. Right. That's the thing. Right? Is it gets forced on you, and that's what I don't. It gets forced. That's on what you. I. That's what I dread. In, in and, and that's the challenge is obviously we all have our own <clears throat> interests and proclivities in mm-hmm. what we like, but the scale of manufacturing works as yeah. a whole. If there's more and, people that want to have the lazy super cruise experience. <laughs> that's, why like us, that's why we're screwed. That's why we're screwed. You know, like it actually, it's like you have to take, make an immense amount of effort mm-hmm. if you want to go there. There's obviously like some niche areas like, um, you know, like my coffee thing, there's a, um, an industry that exists to right. supply that. And that's yeah, great. Yeah. Um, but is the same to be said if you are, and I'm just making this up. <clears throat> if you're, if you like making old school film, like mm-hmm. I'm gonna go out with a camera. I gotta crank the thing, develop yeah. it, project mm-hmm. it. Like, is there a supporting industry for that kind of stuff? If that's your niche, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I know and, people have. It's like the Polaroid thing, right? Like when yeah, Polaroid people were buying. I remember people spending. I remember reading about like people spending tons of money on eBay buying up unused Polaroid stock. So that, yeah. you know, they could keep pursuing that hobby of theirs. And so eventually, you know, some of these things die, um, you know, and you, we were talking earlier about uh, the, you know, the tea and stuff, the career mm-hmm. tea and kind of like, you've got a company that then makes it, 
make some car that that harkens to that group of people and then no one nobody buys it yeah and then the, then the bean counters are like well no one you got all these guys and gals complaining mm-hmm. on the internet and blah 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 you know all this bs and then we mm-hmm. made the product and they didn't buy it and right. the bean counters it, are like x <laughs> yep well i mean yeah it's, it's why it's it's why like you know the it's kind of the running joke right like every every uh you know online car enthusiast loves station wagons you know, performance <laughs> wagons, but then no one actually buys them so you know they, hey man just the, the other night i was sending you here. some sexy pics of some crown vicks yeah station wagon <laughs> the, the station wagon crown vic I actually said to my wife, I think that night, maybe you and I should buy one of those. And we could do we we could do like we could do like an episode where we just drive around town and see if we get reactions. (laughs) And then like we can take turns sitting in the back jump seats looking out the back window. Like at the car. I'll I will I will let you talk to my wife about that. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they, you know how much could they cost? How much could they cost? I mean, yeah, they can't be they can't be expensive. I can't imagine there's like a huge underground market for wagons. Who knows though? Economy. Like when something is that ugly, sometimes if it comes yeah. like a call, a call, call it. yeah, yeah. There's like a huge Pontiac Aztec or something. <laughs> no, I, 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 I think it's tough, man. I think that's why. For me personally, there's there have been some highlights like the GR Corolla, obviously a highlight to me. Um, the Blackwing, the Blackwing, but those do, as we've said before, seem a bit like swan songs. So for yeah. the most part, my eye when I when I get on Bring a Trailer or when I yeah. am looking at uh, things on Instagram or whatever, my eye has kind of really turned from older stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, part of it's nostalgia, part of it's the stuff I wanted when I was 16 and, and things yeah. like that. But also, a lot of the modern cars, like, I was watching that Ferrari 296 video, and, and you think mm-hmm. about growing up, when Ferrari came out with a new mid-engine supercar, I was on it, dude. I was reading everything I could find about it. Mm-hmm. And this came out, and it's, like, by all accounts, incredibly fast, incredibly precise, et cetera, et cetera. I have zero interest. And it, yeah. whether or not I can afford it, whether or not I would want it, it it just doesn't interest me. Isn't that wild? And and it just made me realize. And I thought about like, gosh, why does this not interest me? It's like, well, it's a thirty seven hundred pound hybrid V six. Yeah. Now it sounds good. To be fair, like Ferrari made it sound good, <laughs> but it's you know that's it, what I'm talking about. It's it's this super. It's got this super twitchy electronic steering that's super light it's you know it just it doesn't hit any of the boxes that i enjoy as an enthusiast really you know to be quite honest well and i think if you were again you know you kind of take the person who drives that let's say they're i don't know 15 years old maybe they're 14 i don't know Mm -hmm. And they're, they have the driving experience with that where they're like in the passenger seat. And then you take them into one of the cars that you kind of worshipped as a kid, mm-hmm. V8, right. V12, naturally aspirated. I, I think mm-hmm. the experience, the oral experience would be like, holy balls, this is mm-hmm. wild. Yeah, Like, this is what it used to be like? That's yeah. crazy. Well, that's like very the, cool. You, you asked know? me a question earlier today. We were talking about different things, just texting each other. And you said, you know, when do you think you'll get rid of the RS? Because we were talking about in terms mm-hmm. of like, it's got the carbon buckets at a certain point in my back. Is yeah, your ass going to be able to get out of those. When and, you're and I said, you know, <laughs> 55. I, and, and, you know, my reply was like, I don't plan on ever selling because mm-hmm. what on earth would I replace it with? Like, Nothing and I don't have like an answer. For Nothing that. going yeah. forward will sound like that. No, it just won't. problem. I mean, even if even if they have yeah. the same engine, they've got particulate filters. Yeah. They've got it. Just won't sound as good. And that is such yeah. a huge component of the driving experience to me is is that the sound of the car. Yeah, 
Um, so, you know, like I said, there are, there are some things, you know, there's some people that are carrying the torch. Ironically, it's a lot of the Japanese brands. I mean, the, yeah, got the Miata still soldiering on Toyota's coming out with GR products, you know, Subaru, unfortunately kind of went away from WRX, but you know, yeah. you look at the European brands, which were really for you and me, the pinnacle of sports sedan enthusiast stuff growing up, whether it was the muscle cars <laughs> coming out of AMG, whether it was BMW with mm-hmm. its more, you know, driving enthusiast precise yeah. you know, track kind of cars. And those are all gone. I mean, Mercedes to yeah. me is they basically just make SUVs now. <laughs> yeah. And, and BMW is really heading in that direction too. And so, and Audi is kind of there as well with, you know. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. I mean, I, I, you know, I've had uh, RS3 and, you know, I'd for a long time thought about getting an RS7, but then they just kind of became this, I don't know, the same guys. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just, I, and, and that's kind of where, that's kind of my point is um, they're, they're kind of morphing into a, a Tycon experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I'm like, kind of like you with the RS, like I'm not interested in them because mm-hmm. if they hybridize them, what you the like sound starts going away. Yeah. The sound worsens, they get heavier. Mm-hmm. There's just like, well, screw it. Just go, go to electric. Like it's, um, yeah. Pretty if I'm going to buy a $5,000 car, I'd rather it be an electric anyway. Yeah. Then at least, you know, you can teleport down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, Instead of having piped in engine sounds, you can, yeah. I guess, pick you know whatever the hell you want on your speaker. But let's like yeah. let's just be done with it at that point. Either mm-hmm. keep it to some degree pure. Or let's just be done with it. Like, yeah, yeah. Why why am I lugging around an eight hundred pound battery pack and an internal combustion powertrain, and mm-hmm. I'm piping fake noises of internal combustion into my cabin, mm-hmm. like? What are, yeah. what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, <laughs> that, that's my problem with that. That's why I'm not interested in those. Yeah, no, as a performance, like hybrid hybrid cars for like an SUV, as we talked about, I think makes sense just because of the charging infrastructure. But if you're talking about an enthusiast car, which is what, what we're talking yeah, about, yeah. hybrids make no sense to me whatsoever. Because who was it? Was it Lotus? The ethos was like, keep this shit light. Oh, oh simplify and add lightness. Yeah. Yeah. Simplify and add lightness. Mm-hmm. And, and that is like, that's a performance car. And right. now we're in this era of complexify and make heavier. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and what all that really leaves you with your driving experience is fast in a straight line. They, right. um, I don't remember, it was like Carwow or somebody. They, you know, they had like the, the 911 Turbo S and the GT3 and oh, they took them to, yeah. Well, they took them to Spa actually. Oh, okay. Um, and one of the guys I didn't recognize who, obviously, there's the Carwow guy. Mm-hmm. And then, um, there's this other, uh, he's a, I think, a, I think he's a race car driver. I didn't recognize him. Okay. Um, but they took the turbo S and the GT three, um, mm-hmm. around the track. And obviously like the GT three crushed in the corners, mm-hmm. but the, obviously, you know, that's a high speed. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's cause it's the, the straights, you know, it can mm-hmm. drive like a bat out of hell. Right. Um, but once you get away from that, <clears throat> you're you're kind of like left with cornering and stuff mm-hmm. if you were on a um a much smaller track with lots of cornering the gt3 would walk mm-hmm. you know the turbo. walk away with the title so yeah i don't know well, and, that's, and that's where like you have to decide what you want from your enthusiast car if you ba- want basically you, straight do, line, yeah. you got a ton of amazing options right now i mean holy crap evs are amazing for that but if you want something that's exciting in back roads and back roads your your options are diminishing and you just have to be i think more and more open to the idea of getting an an older yeah, car that, i think you're that right does fulfill those things i think um, you're right and that's are not getting lighter 
and that's the thing, you know, everybody's got their own use case, mm-hmm. yada, yada. Um, I think we all, and I'm guilty of this too, you know, we kind of judge each other's car selections sometimes a little bit harshly because that's just what we do as car mm-hmm. people. But everybody's, you know, they've got their reasons. No, it's true. I, I mean, I, to me, there's still no reason to buy like, a, <laughs> you know, certain cars, like when you can get like a two-year-old car that's better. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think everybody gets, at least from an enthusiast standpoint, everybody has different tastes and you you do respect that. But, yeah. um, you know, for my tastes, the, the way it's going is not, they're not making cars that kind of appeal to me yeah. quite as much. So, you know, I do celebrate the ones that are coming out for sure. I mean, that's because those are becoming a little bit more rare. Um, <clears throat> You know, we do have to just kind of accept it. Okay, that's where it's heading. So then how do you still get your your jollies? Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have time for this week, actually. Um, So uh, any any last thoughts, bud? No, it sounds great. Great discussion. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Um, We will be back and oh, well our next show will be right around christmas time probably yeah, uh, yeah. so we'll be back in a couple weeks and uh with a little pre-christmas episode and until then um be sure to follow us on instagram at the blowfeld podcast ask us questions there if you have any ideas for shows that you, you would love to hear um that's a great place to reach us and until then we'll see you in a couple weeks